sense of God just wanting to pour His Spirit out on us in like such a fresh way. It just feels like the last couple of weeks has just been really intense. And I just asked James if maybe we could just sneak in a song before um, I speak, because I don't really want to speak too long. Um, yeah, just uh, I love that song. Um, I exalt you.
Lord, thank you for your presence. It's really good to be reminded that um, we don't have to just go through the motions. You know? And I just feel like something like God's doing where it's like moving us, like when you get to the end of yourself, like you realize that there's so much more in God. And um, yeah, just with um, those of you guys that don't know, um, our friend Ella passed away uh, last week from cancer after f- 10 days after finding out she, she was diagnosed. Um, and uh, she led the worship team here. And it's just uh, it's been like a crazy time, but um, just sensing like even in the midst of like all of this, like God's just like God's doing something. It's this it's this crazy paradox of like walking through this mystery of death and like defeat and you know just trauma and all these things and just knowing like in the midst of it God is so faithful and God is so glorified and God is like he's calling us to be a people who go out and carry his presence and um, and I, I spoke to a friend of mine Lynn Swart just after uh, Ella passed away and she gave me some beautiful advice. She said two things to me. She said, one, this is not the time to ask the why questions. And the second thing she said is, remember Dave, it's not biz- business as usual right now. Give, your t- give yourself time and space. And um, she was saying, you know, the reason is if you start asking the why questions before you allow yourself time to grieve and mourn, and just go through the process of God comforting you and um, then what can happen is bitterness or disappointment can take root in your heart and um, it's really important that we just guard our hearts because what the enemy wants to do is he always just wants to steal, kill and destroy and he wants to come and steal hope from our lives he wants to kill our dreams, he wants to destroy like the destiny that God has, has got us on so he uses these things to try and derail our hearts and so it's really important that we um, we just root ourselves in the goodness of God yeah? Yeah. you know we live in the tension of the like the tension of the kingdom is like the kingdom's coming Jesus said the kingdom is, is like within arm's reach he said the kingdom is at hand and he said the kingdom is within you but he said it's also still coming so we live in this tension of like the kingdom's here now, right now. We can go, we can give someone a word, the kingdom breaks out. Right now we can pray, someone gets healed. But at the same time, the kingdom's still breaking in. And it's like this tension, the tension between heaven coming and the reality of life on earth. Anyone felt that tension this week? Probably when you wake up on Tuesday morning. It's like you get hit. Like the reality of life. And the beautiful thing is like, even in the story of Lazarus where Jesus goes to the tomb and raises his friend from the dead, the chapter before it still says when he heard that Lazarus had died, it says Jesus wept. So like in his humanity and in his very presence with us on earth, there was something of like Jesus was so overwhelmed by his friend dying. He wept. It's not like he was like, oh, I'm going to raise him in four days. and Cool. He was moved. It was the reality of the not yet in his life. Yet the Bible says he is the resurrection and the life. Here, I think it is in that passage actually where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he goes and he 
three or was it three days later goes and, and, and calls Lazarus out. But there's, it's like I was reading that story and I was like, there's this crazy tension of like the, the Jesus living in the immediacy of his friend dying, but also the immediacy of the kingdom that comes when, when he comes into the situation. Makes sense. And um, I've just been so struck this week about the power of community when we go through these times. And it's so important just to be rooted in community because, um, you know, we, we get to, uh, I don't know if you were saying it, but we get to lean into one another in the midst of our confusion. We get to lean into one another when it's just like it's too much. And it's really important that... Um, uh, we, we stay, because what the enemy wants to do is he wants to take you into isolation. Because in that place of isolation, then you just become introspective. And your world becomes about yourself. But when you're in community, you realize that your life is so much bigger than who you are. Um, and that was just so beautiful. I mean, if you were at Ella's Memorial, you just look, three, 300, 400 people. Like her life was just about impacting other people. I mean, Ella must be the most extroverted introvert ever because she was like, she was like, she was an intense introvert, yet she impacted like people all over the world. I still don't know how that works. Because um, she caught something of like the heart of God for other people, being intentional. And I feel like some part of what God's doing with us at the moment is just like, there's this like intentionality that you realize like actually... The kingdom is not yet, but the kingdom is now. So we've got to be intentional. So when you go out for coffee or breakfast, you're like, God's speaking. So let's hear what he's saying and let's be intentional. And let's see the kingdom come. I thought that was a good point. Um, and I really feel like what the enemy has stolen and killed in this time, we're going to reap. And, the, and God's going to repay tenfold. He's going to repay a hundredfold. So... Um, you know, hope is not a disappointing fantasy. And the fact that some of us gathered and prayed over Ella's life like the night before she died, and we declared the promises of God over her, and we listened to prophetic words, and we, and we joined with heaven just declaring hope and healing over her, it doesn't put us to shame. Because even in the midst of the, the death and the pain and the confusion, there's still hope. And God's purposes will prevail. Romans, Romans 5, 5 says, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Or as the Passion says, This hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Hope doesn't put you to shame because the love of God has been poured out into your hearts. So what's he saying? The way to live in a place of hope is to make sure that your heart is guarded by the love of God. What does Proverbs 4.23 say? Above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flow the wellspring of life. So the, if, we, if we allow our hearts to remain in the posture of experiencing the love of God, we can live in a place of hope. So I want to encourage us, encourage myself, 
that um, in the midst of whatever we're going through, whether, um, whether you're close to ill or not, whether it's something else in your life, I know it just seems like, I've been chatting to a few of us, it just seems like it's a really intense time at the moment over some people's lives. And I just feel like in the midst of that intensity, the Holy Spirit is cascading the love of God into our hearts, saying, I'm here for you. I'm for you. I'm with you. Thank you, James. His love poured out into, into our hearts as the antidote to hopelessness. And it was amazing. A few of us got the deep privilege of going and praying over Ella's body on that Wednesday morning. And um, it was just such a sacred moment and such a, a hard-to-describe experience where you see your friend's body lying on the table. You walk into a room and the first thing you experience is the overwhelming peace of God. Like the thickness of the presence of God. And like the only words that you can utter is just thank you, Lord. And not like when you not like when you're saying thank you, Lord, like you're trying to convince yourself. Oh, thank you, Lord. There's like this thing of like the first words you can say is like, You're so faithful, Lord. You're so faithful. And it's like this there's just like this thin place of like realizing that even in the midst of death, like Ella's with the Father, and like the kingdom of God is like rejoicing in her being in the presence of God, but it's like just God, knowing that God is victorious in all of this. But your mind doesn't really understand it, but your heart resonates with this. Yeah. And I love what Hebrews ten twenty three says. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. I feel like that's a word of God over us, each of our lives, us as a community, but that He who promised is faithful. That God is faithful. That means that we can hold, um, one translation sings, we, says, we now cling tightly to the hope that lives within us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We cling tightly to the hope that lives within us. And sometimes it just feels like we just got to cling on, man. But we hold unswervingly, as another uh, uh, translation says, to the hope for he who promises faithful. And I feel like God just says that he is faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful to his promises. He's faithful to the end. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it on to completion. Can I get an amen? Jeez. My Bible's falling apart. I came up with a classic line under there. If your Bible's falling apart, your life isn't. But it doesn't feel like that right now. I'm not going to lie to you. Trademark. Hashtag Oprah. That's a tweetable moment. She literally uses those words. That's a tweet on you. Oprah, she's really transformed herself eh? into the podcast queen. God is faithful. And um, I feel like part of what he's doing with us is he's moving us beyond ourselves. Maybe us beyond ourselves and beautiful things of like going giving people prophetic words is that something about God that we're moving 
we just move away from ourselves, we move towards people. And when you move towards people, you realize you can actually, a lot of the stuff that we get, up, we get uptight about in our lives just is all about us. And um, yeah, I just feel like we're coming, you know, that, that, um, that, that advice that Lynn gave me, it's not business as usual. Like, I feel like that's a prophetic word in the sense of like, obviously, in the time of grieving and stuff, it's not business as usual. But I was thinking about it this morning, I feel like that's a word for us. In the kingdom, it's, it's not business as usual. We can't just keep doing the same stuff. Like, you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians um, 4.20, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. It's like we've actually been talking like far too long. I think so. The church has done a lot of Facebook updates. Eh? I'm not on Facebook, so I don't even know if that's relevant anymore. The kingdom realm of God comes with power, not simply impressive words. There's something about, like actually, if you look at your life, is the kingdom, being, is the kingdom of God being expressed in your life through the power of God? Or are we just talking about it? And I can say, like, probably most days I'm talking a lot of talk, but I don't know if I'm seeing a lot of power or seeing a lot of the kingdom breaking out. And I feel in this time, it's like God saying, it's not business as usual, guys. Like, when you come and you get to the end of your self-dependence, then you can step into dependence on the Spirit. And when you're in dependence on the Spirit, that's when you need the power of the Spirit to break in. We've been reading in our home group this book called The Circle Maker about just having these audacious prayers surrounding your circumstances, like drawing a circle around things in your life and saying, God, I need you to come through. And this guy, Mark Batterson, I've just started listening to the book on Audible, and he says, like, it's about us praying impossible prayers. Because if your prayers are within your realm of your uh, resources to actually achieve them, then it's not really giving glory to God. And it's like he's got this audacity of saying, like, we've got to pray bigger prayers because we've got to live lives that are aligned to the power of the Spirit to bring the impossible. Because what is possible, uh, what's impossible with man is possible with God. 1 Corinthians 2. My message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. It's like, we, we don't need to convince people in a comment thread about the nature of God. We need to convince people by the demonstration of the Spirit's power. You know, Acts 1.1, the very first verse in Acts, it talks about, we now begin to write about what Jesus began to do and teach. To do and then teach. And it's interesting, the exact same phrase is in Mark 6.30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told them all that they had done and taught. And like we've lived our whole lives about like, this is all about what we teach. And maybe what we do. But it's actually the other way around. The kingdom comes, it's like, we do and then we teach. Maybe it's time to do more and like explain later. Yeah. I don't know. Let's just do it and we can find the explanations later. See you at Jason's for those songs. <laughs>
less talking, more doing. Did God mean, did, did, did they read the word? Didn't they read the word? God gave them a word. Like we're not after, we're not after profiles or platforms. We're after his presence and people. <laughs> Jeez, like I'm glad you guys are awake. <laughs> Someone's going to get up with a hanky suit. <laughs> we're not after profile or platforms. We're after his presence and people. It's like, let's just, who cares, man? I don't need to see your Instagram of you standing on a stage. It's like, God is moving towards people and he's doing something in our lives where we realize we can't do it. But then that's when his kingdom comes. His grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in weakness. Um, and um, yeah, there's something, there's something beautiful of just pursuing God in the midst of, in the midst of our, our pain, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our confusion. And um, there's a beautiful passage in Psalm 84. Um, I'm just going to read. I'm just going to read the first, I think, seven verses. Most of us probably know the first few verses of Psalm 84, but it's just a beautiful passage of these people who are seeking after the presence of God, and then they go through this the midst of weeping. Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! What is that song? That's how I started. We sang that song. Yes, we sang that song into oblivion. How lovely is your dwelling place. My soul longs, yes, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home in the swallow nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. That was like a hill song song. I remember the John. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, or as they go through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools or blessing. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. And it's such a beautiful nugget of like these people are like, they start off just being like, wow. Your, your dwelling place, your courts. My soul just longs for your presence, like the sparrows, the swallows. And then it says, Blessed are those who strengthen in you, whose strength is in you, in whose hearts are the highways. Another translation says, Roads are in their hearts. As they go through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. And then it says, The early rain also covers it with blessing. And I just love that because it starts off saying, blessed are those whose strength is in you. It's like, there's a blessing on our lives when we realize where our strength lies. Like, we actually come to a place where we're like, I have to depend on God. I'm pursuing His presence, I'm going through these things, but like, my strength is in God. And I feel like that's, what, that's where God is just inviting us to live, in that place of reliance, total reliance on who He is. 
I don't know, did anyone have a frog bracelet? Oh, yes. <laughs> give us the, give us the, the frog. Fully reliant on God. Maybe you can get an app for your um, Apple Watch that gives you a, a WWJD option on your phone. Fully reliant on God. But um, yeah, in seriousness, like a place where we, we live our lives dependence and reliance on who God is, on His goodness. And when we go through these things, we realize like everything can be shaken, but if your foundation is the Lord, you won't be shaken. And I don't know about you, but it seems like everything in the world at the moment is just being shaken. It's a shaking. Then it says, So blessed are you when you, your strength is in God, in whose hearts are the highways designed, or in whose heart roads are in their hearts. And that just talks about people who... So you live from a place of reliance on God, and you live from a place realizing that you're on a journey. Realizing that we are, we haven't arrived, but we always, God is often more committed to the process than the outcome. And being a people who realize, like it says um, in verse 7, they go from strength to strength. We go from actually, we think we need, we need God's strength now, and you get to another situation, like wow, actually, I thought I, I, thought I needed to arrive, and then now I realize I actually really need to arrive place of just constant journeying in our reliance, to, our reliance on God. And when I was preparing, I had a picture of people and I, I saw like the, is it the Indi- Indianapolis? Like the, 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 the car race where it's just a loop. Like Indy 500. And I saw a picture of people feeling like in your life, it feels like it's just like you're on this track and then like life is getting intense and it's just getting faster and faster and you feel like it's like the pressure of life and the intensity and the craziness of life. And it's just, you just feel like you're going round and round on this loop. And you're like, when am I going to get off? Where am I going to? And I feel like there's something God's saying, actually, the spirit of the world likes to keep us in that constant loop. But actually, God has called us to people who, who's in our roads, in our heart, there are roads to the Father. We're journeying somewhere. We're on a road that has a beginning and an end. And we're journeying with God. And we might, it might not look straight and whatever, but we are following after God. We're going somewhere. We're not in this relentless loop of just crazy busyness. We're just frantic all the time. And I just feel like God wants to break that off some of our hearts. That we can just be like, God, my strength is in you. My heart is set on pilgrimage. That's the other translation. We sit on pilgrimage. We sit on pursuing the Father's heart and pursuing people. And then my favorite part of the psalm, it says, They go through the valley of Baca, which either means weeping or tears. And they make it a place of springs. And there's something sometimes about going through trauma and going through weeping. Where something happens in the spirit where your strength is on God. Where the very place of weeping becomes a place where the fountain of joy, the fountain of life comes up from. They go through this valley of weeping, but they make it a place of springs. Or another translation says, they make it, um, they dig deep to find a pleasant pool where others only find pain. 
And there's something about when you go through pain and you go through weeping, when you give your pain over to God, there's something that, like, there's a well, there's a spring within you that begins to come up, the Spirit, knowing that He's good in the midst of my weeping. He's good in the midst of my mourning. And there's like a spring, there's a fountain of life. That's why it says, guard your heart, for from it flow the wellsprings of life. So in the midst of weeping, we can become a wellspring. So we don't hide our tears, but we, we, it's like you sow, those who sow in tears, reap the songs of joy. Instead of mourning, he'll give you the oil of gladness. There's like this crazy paradox of in the midst of your mourning, he pours out this oil of gladness on your life. And you're able to give that oil away. Makes sense? And then it says the early rain also covers it with pools or with blessings. And it's something that's like beautiful. Like when you find that depth of the life of God within you, it's also like His Spirit comes and just covers you with the rain of His goodness. So I just feel like God's just saying to us, like He's inviting us to that place of just total reliance on Him. And that we go from strength to strength, each one appearing before God in His presence in Zion. So Lord, we just want to thank you for your goodness over our lives. Thank you for your faithfulness. And I want to read this song, uh, sorry, Song of Solomon over us this morning. Like the voice of the Father over our lives, what He's inviting us into. My beloved speaks and he says to me, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. O oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch the foxes first, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. My beloved is mine, and I am his. And Lord, I want to thank you right now just for your spirit that comes and resonates with our hearts. If you just want to just declare your reliance on God again this morning, I just want to invite you to stand. If you, um, if you just, while I'm speaking, just resonating with that thing of like, actually God, I want to move from just being someone who's concerned about myself to actually, Lord, this isn't business as usual. I just need more of your spirit in my life, your power in my life. I just want to invite you to just to stand and just respond to that. I just feel like God wants to just set something of his love on our hearts this morning. He wants to, um, like he says in Romans 5, he just wants to 
cascade his love into our hearts.